Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with two very special guests on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Anya and Kevin are from the Murder Sheet podcast, and it's been a busy couple of weeks for the suspect in the double murders in Delphi, Richard Allen. Uh, Anya, let's start with you. Yesterday, we found out a lot of information about the trial itself. Let's start with that. What's going on with the Delphi trial? Absolutely. So yesterday, the judge, the defense, and the prosecution tentatively actually set a trial date for January. And basically, they predicted that it could be around three weeks long. Now, of course, that could change. Um, There's a lot that could change in the meantime. But essentially, you know, a trial date needs to be set. So for now, they're looking at January 2024. Now, there were a lot of people that thought that this would be something that would get pushed back, and there's no way that this would start on trial. Uh, Kevin, let me go to you. Use your legal background here. Do you anticipate this trial to start on time? I would certainly hope so. Uh, People don't just go through the motions of picking a date. They try to choose something realistic. But with that said, there's an awful lot of unfinished business that needs to be taken care of between now and when the trial begins. Like yesterday, for instance, was originally supposed to be a suppression hearing as to whether or not certain evidence could even be admitted into the trial. And that got postponed. And there's other things of that nature that are going to need to be hashed out before we can even think about a trial. Talk a little bit about the evidence the defense wants to suppress, and and then maybe we could just drill down to the, the weeds a little bit, but this has to do maybe with the unspent shell casing that was found at the murder scene? That is the speculation. At this point, I should stress that the paperwork associated with the suppression filings has not been made available to the public. That should come out to the public sometime next week because Ani and I actually filed some court papers saying these things need to be released, and the judge indicated that, yes, more stuff will come out next week. But I think it's a reasonable uh, guess that what they want to suppress is what was found at Richard Allen's house. And what was found at his house was a gun, which the uh, experts for the prosecution say can be linked to this unspent round that was found between the bodies of the two girls. How integral, how important is this piece of evidence to the prosecution into getting a conviction for Richard Allen for the murders? I believe it's absolutely crucial that this bullet remains in evidence if the prosecution wants a chance of convicting Richard Allen. And the reason is this. Richard Allen, we know from the probable cause affidavit, places himself on the trails that day around the time of the murders. But nothing is really putting him at the scene of the crime, seemingly, um, unless we're talking about that bullet. And and that's made very plain um, by the PCA that we reviewed. And, of course, you know, there's other evidence we 
imagine that we've not heard about yet. That's very possible. But that still leaves the bullet being this very kind of crucial thing tying him to the scene of the crime where these two girls were killed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but technically there's never been an official cause of death for Abby and Libby in Delphi. Uh, For all we know at this point, they could have been shot. They could have been stabbed. They've never released that information. Is that still correct? That's correct. That's never been officially released. Uh, We will say that with the bullet, we know that it's an unspent round because that is how it is described in the PCA. And what that essentially means is it wasn't fired. It was essentially ejected from the gun at some point. So um, we know that whatever happened, this bullet didn't necessarily play a a direct role in their death, but was more of evidence left at the scene. And so speculation is that the defense is going to say that the ballistics used to trade this unspent casing to Richard Allen's gun back at his house is bogus and the prosecutor I guess what I'm saying is is Kevin is they're going to bring their experts in the prosecution is going to have their experts in as to why it's legitimate and and something like that can you see something like that happening in this trial if indeed that's what the defense is trying to get thrown out I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a battle of the experts. We see defense attorneys in other cases bringing people to argue that this ballistic evidence means nothing. And we've even had someone on the show recently who made that argument. And since then, we've been contacted by a number of people who work with prosecutors around the country. You say, no, actually, this evidence is incredible. So we're going to have people on to make that argument. And that's kind of a mini preview of what we imagine will happen in a trial. We're speaking with Anya and Kevin of the Murder Sheet podcast uh, in regards to the latest information on the Delphi murder case. Uh, There was a story that I believe Fox 59 had first about Richard Allen may or may not have said some things while locked up that could be incriminating. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, Fox 59 was right on the money. Uh, Basically, this was, I think, the biggest bombshell to come out of yesterday's hearing. But the defense initially brought it up, I, I think, in an effort to kind of, you know, get, get their own two cents on it out there. And the prosecution sort of kept repeating this. But basically, our understanding from everything that was said was that essentially Richard Allen may have confessed uh, or made incriminating statements about this crime five or six times to possibly multiple different people. We don't know all the details about what exactly he said. The prosecution indicated that it was pretty damaging to him, whereas the defense is saying, well, listen, he's mentally unsound and he's incoherent, so they're obviously leaning on the possibility that they're not credible confessions. Um, We don't know about who exactly he said anything to or what uh, sort of form these confessions took, but either way, it's a pretty bizarre and, frankly, startling uh, revelation in this case. Could you see a scenario, either one of you guys see something to where the the defense is going to try to use insanity or plead insanity for their client? It's hard to guess about what their strategies might be, but I do think it's likely that uh, I think if we go back into the timeline around the time the defense started talking about Alan's state of mind, when they started filing the motion saying basically he's going insane, for lack of a better word, in jail. 
that was likely about the time he started making the statements. And so it's likely that they filed those motions in order to kind of preemptively, at the very least, discredit whatever statements he was making. Wow. And just so everybody is on the same page here, just so we all have the same information, it was around that same time, Kevin, I believe, where we started seeing some different images of Richard Allen locked up because at first we saw this big kind of strong guy with like a goatee and then we saw this very frail fragile guy uh, who ultimately was moved from one lockup to another is that correct that is correct and in fact that picture that we saw in that filing was the subject of much discussion in court yesterday because uh, the prosecutor in the case Nick McClelland had the warden of Westville up on the stand and he said you know in this picture Allen is wearing a dirty ragged shirt is this how he's typically dressed and the warden says no and at least according to the warden the circumstances under which that picture was taken was that Richard Allen had just had some extensive recreation time. He apparently has a shirt that he wears just for recreation that can get dirty and messy. And that's why he was wearing that ragged looking shirt. And at least according to the warden, he had clean clothes available for him to change into that he chose not to put on prior to the picture being taken. So in other words, at least according to the prosecutor and the warden, that picture may have been a bit misleading. Yeah, I mean, it's all context, right? I had no idea that could have been the context behind that picture. He just got done with recreation, and that was the shirt that he used when he was outside. It's very interesting. One more thing before we let you guys go. So they are going to draw a jury from, help me remember where the, the jury pool is going to come from, right? Allen County, which of course is Fort Wayne. So um, that is where the judge in this case, Judge Fran Gull, is based. She works for Allen County Superior Court there. She's also done a lot of different innovations over time with drawing juries. So uh, basically, that's going to be almost her purview there in Allen County. And that's where the jury is going to come from, just so they don't get people from Carroll County who may be, you know, associated with the case closely or very emotionally invested. And do we have a definitive answer of whether or not this is going to be televised. I know in the past, Judge Gull has been on the record of being pro-cameras in the courtroom. Now that the law has been changed in Indiana, do we anticipate this trial to be covered with the cameras? There's been no real public discussion about it yet, as far as we know, Um, but I think we both believe that it will be televised in some capacity. As you mentioned, uh, Judge Gull was one of the pilot judges in this program where they were initially introducing cameras into courtrooms. So she's used to that. She knows how that's done. And um, also the the new rules give her a lot of discretion. discretion. So she can essentially um, ensure that, you know, certain things are film, certain things are not, and that it doesn't become a circus, while also allowing the public some access um, into seeing a case that has attracted you know, so much interest. Where can people get more information on this case and uh, the other things that you guys do? Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, they can listen to the Murder Sheet podcast, and if you just look up Murder Sheet on any podcast platform that you enjoy, whether it's Spotify, Google Music, Apple, uh, you can find us. And if you hit subscribe, you'll see um, just our, all of our coverage, and you'll get new updates. Anya and Kevin, thank you so much for keeping us up to date.